Let's turn now to the Word of God together in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, where Christ uh, clears the temple. Uh, I am a little bit uh, concerned about temple ideas. So I, I don't know what your level of biblical literacy is or whether you'll follow this. I'm going to make an astounding claim today. I'm going to make a claim that uh, God walking in the garden, in the garden with, with Adam, even after Adam sins, it says that he was looking for Adam. Did, did God, if God is God, did he know Adam had sinned? Did he knew that? Uh, he knew, he knew, right? Did he know that Adam was hiding? He knew, he knew, right? What is his walking in the garden then? And calling out. What is it? What is his walking in the garden? God is picture in the Garden of Eden of God walking in the garden. What is, what is it a picture of then? If he knew full well, grace. Who said that? Grace. There's a picture of God walking in the garden, is an anticipation of the temple. And what is the temple? It is a house. Among his people who have houses. Uh, when people live in tents, what does God live in? He lives in a tent. He lives in a, lives in, the people live in a house, he lives in a house. And so the temple, and the, well, the tent would be in here, right before the temple, the tabernacle, they are all meant to be an anticipation of that God would what? Live with his people. <coughs> they would live with his people, in his people. That's in his people. And so we come into the cash of this metaphor, the cash of this image. The cash in is Megan and me and Nate and Deepak and Abby. We are now the place of God's living. It's, it's this big, beautiful picture that began with the garden walks with Adam are realized in Hotel Whitcomb on a Sunday morning. And the idea here and the imagination and love of God is his drawing near his people. Now, so when, when folks like the ancient religious people, the Pharisees and Sadducees and these ancient peoples would abuse, I feel like it's going to fall over, abuse this temple, when they would abuse it or misuse it or use it for a swell for you, it's a big deal. And Christ uses the language of house. We made my house a den of robbers. We're going to read that right now. And the reason this ramp up, I want you to see this ramp up, is to understand why Christ is so eager about the temple. Because by having made the temple a marketplace, they have in fact rejected the cross. They rejected any hope that God's grace saves. And have decided to make their mercantile system a way of getting ahead in the religious game. And if I, as your pastor, you ever suspect I'm trying to get ahead in the religious game, you should leave the church and you should rebuke me on the way out. That is not the kingdom and house and home of my Father's glory.
right? Or our Father's glory. Let's read. Because what I'm going to maintain today, we have a binary choice. It'll either be we come to do business with God and manipulate our way into the kingdom and manipulate something from him and get something for ourselves. It's either that or we're a house of prayer. It's one or the other. There's no middle ground. All right. How does Christ then tell us we should listen to his word? Mark 4, verse 9. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables and, and the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house? shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Ah, but you have made it a, a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. <laughs> they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who also is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Let's pray for power. Father, we pray for power together to grasp, to grasp these things. Um, uh, none of us have any special wisdom uh, other than the wisdom that you give. <coughs> Open up your word to us. Open us to your word. For we pray this in the name of Jesus, in the name of Christ. Amen. So, uh, are you familiar with name it and claim it? Name it and claim it, kind of. Name it, claim it, name it and claim it. Name it, name it and claim it, prosperity gospel. I wonder why we don't like it sometimes. And the reason I say that is because if you don't like the name it and claim it, the idea of name it and claim it, if you don't know what I mean, is this idea that, that taking, it's like the idea if I just want something and, and believe I'll have it, God will give it to me. Uh, can you see why people think that? The reason I, the reason I want to pull well, attention to that is that I want, don't be careful about being self-righteous about this. Some of you are very clever, and some of you are, uh, are sharp, and, and you tend to despise these kinds of perspectives as primitive and, and as naive or as gullible. If you approach that criticism 
from that perspective, that those people are just foolish people who don't, who don't, uh, who, who, and you're skeptical about God's power. You don't understand why it's wrong then. You're, you're coming at it from the wrong vantage point. If your skepticism is the origin of your rejection of name it and claim it, if your skepticism and your cynicism and your, your, your intellectualism and your, and your scientific perspective is why you reject name it and claim it ideas, you're, you're, not, you're not rejecting it for the right reason. I believe in name it and claim it. But it's a little different. I believe it's name him and claim him. Okay, what's the problem with the, what's going on in the temple? Christ has a problem with it, and uh, I see it. I see it all the time. I've seen it in my own heart. I've seen it sometimes. Let me, get, let me give, you, give you an example here. I'm going to walk into a kind of a, a pretty vulnerable place here, but I'll, talk, I'll describe it. I get here to pray, and even as I pray for the requests, I'm aware, potentially, of how that might impress you. And I might get something out of it. Isn't that awful? Yes, you can all agree that's why that's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. <laughs> why do I bring that up? Because what's going on in the temple is the manipulation, the manipulation of the religious game. The religious game. To play the religious game. And this is extraordinary. This is very, very powerful. And it's more powerful, we might admit. We see it easily in superstition. What do I mean by superstition? You hear the snap? You hear the snap of uh, Tibetan flags? When they're out, they'll snap in the wind. And wherever they're placed, especially up in the mountains, they put them. And every time they snap, the idea is that every time they snap, these people believe, every time they snap and move, the words on that prayer flag are being sent to a god. <coughs> And so they actively believe with all the many flags you'll see in mountaineering, especially this happens in Everest and places like that, you'll see them. They'll, they'll line them up. And it's funny to see a lot of Western, very white, uh, Northern European mountaineers going there and putting up the prayer flags, you know, and getting into that whole thing, the prayer flag thing. But do you, I want you to hear what is in that. It's something Christ criticized, and that is the, using prayer as a manipulative force. Uh, but almost every religious system is, is, is not immune to this. Uh, and the, there's different ideas. The one idea could be uh, that you use repetition to um, change your awareness. Are you familiar with this? Oh, you familiar with that? Oh, what's the idea here is repetition of that sound. And actually it does work. If you keep repeating that sound, you will, you know, you can empty your mind. I don't, I'm not saying it's a good thing. Empty minds have a terrible things fill them. Um, but the idea is to get rid of consciousness. And the idea is to manipulate your consciousness through repetition. That's one way. That's the personal way people objectify it. But in the Tibetan prayer wheel, for example, and if you go through, when you're in Tibet, you can run your hand down a whole wall of wheels like this and effectively say like 150 prayers. In one swipe, wow! Because all the prayers, as they as they move, they're imagined to be activating spiritual energy. So you might have a therapeutic idea of prayer and meditation. 
But you might also have a manipulative idea about somehow manipulating the God, a superstitious idea, in which you somehow, a friend of mine fell into this strange air. I, I, I hadn't heard this before, but um, where uh, he believed that if you, if you said the name of God correctly, you could initiate a tone that would shake the universe a little bit. It's weird, yeah. It's a weird kind of cult that you got mixed up in. What's going on there, though? What's the idea? What's, what, it's the idea of using the religious game as a way of controlling the God. To control or manipulate. And if you're the God, you control and manipulate yourself, right? <laughs> Meditation fits very, very well in San Francisco because we are our gods and we love to meditate about ourselves. Look at my old navel and, and it's really actually quite an attractive navel. If you, and so, you know, I can <laughs> sit there and look at it. And, and, and so I worship myself. Or, uh, and this, from rosaries to wailing walls. I'm, you will see it the world over. People engaged in an endless, endless ritual. Rosaries ground out. And all of that is a picture of manipulation in the religious game. Um, the problem is, I don't see how any of that game can cash in or deliver the promise he gives in the 24th verse. Did you, you read it. I read it out loud. You heard me say it. You heard me say it. They seem to all fail. All the religious game manipulation. And if the church, if the, look, if the world accuses us of doing this, then it's just in rejecting us if this is what we're doing. But this is not what we're doing. But read this in 24. Truly, truly, I say to you. I'm sorry, 23. I was 23. Truly, truly, I say to you. What's that Christ, by the way, what's that? It's amen, amen. What is Christ saying? Whenever he uses this, it's a code. This is as true as truth gets. This is as true as truth gets. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken, thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask him, what? All right, look, I, I, actually, I actually went to our father, and I, just, I was just crying about this text. I started crying. Because I'm like, how do, how do, I, how do you preach about this? How, how big a pro- It's too big of a promise. <laughs> it's too big. <laughs> I can't. I can't get, I can't, I don't have enough faith to fill this promise even. I I don't know what to do with a promise like this. It just, it almost, it's just too much. And it's like, and, and, I, and I know it's part of what's happening here. Oh, somebody will say to me, oh, it's hyperbole. They're on the Mount of Olives. And by the way, from the Mount of Olives, you can see the Dead Sea. You can see the Dead Sea, whatever it is. You can see one of the seas and you can see it. And so it's this, this, the imagery is so rich for the context they're in. And he's describing this power. And I'm sitting there going, duh. Because it, it's, the promise is so big. Um, one little game you play with kids and sometimes when they're, when they're little they really enjoy it, I don't know why I really don't know why they enjoy it so big You're just, how big is baby, baby so big do, do you remember this game? have you ever played it with a baby? so big 
two, I have a sense of like, I have a sense, and I think we can get it, especially with hearts, childlike hearts of faith, that we can enjoy this joy, that this is exactly how our Father is talking to us. He's wanting to grab McLaren's hands and go, so big! <laughs> he, um, yeah, 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 thank you. Like, he's inviting us, and he's talking to us like little kids. It's so big. Do you hear that? That's when, and when I realize the reason I'm, I'm echoing, I feel like I'm walking around inside a promise it's too big, is because it's definitely too big for this. Does that make sense? It's too, this does not work in that promise. I don't care how, I mean, you can, it, it, it just doesn't work. Manipulation does not satisfy the grandeur, the scope, the extent, the depth of this promise, does it? So, what's going to fill it? Name him. Claim him. Because he's big as, he is as big as this promise. You aren't. All right, look, he says, he puts some conditions on here, uh, and one of them is about doubt. And, and I was thinking about this. What, what sort of doubts do we bring to prayer? We doubt, we doubt whether, well, God, whether God cares enough to do something, right? We doubt whether we have the faith. We doubt whether we, our faith is of the caliber, of the strength, of the power, of the volume, of the intensity that's necessary. Uh, or purity. We'll doubt, uh, maybe we'll doubt the, the, um, whether we have the, the, we've asked for the right thing. Uh, and then, or maybe we doubt whether um, he can. Or maybe, and uh, I, the doubt comes in all these different, what, these different flavors. I know, I know, I just felt it. Um, did I feel anything? No. All right, so. And I, and I was thinking about this, this heart of doubt that's in here. And we could, we could talk about can issues, because if God is what he is, then he can. It just doesn't make any sense that he does it. We can, when we talk, talk about care issues by going to the cross, we can talk, and faith, and maybe it's faith. And again, name it and claim it, or manipulation ideas, are about how strong your faith is, Megan. And that's what triggers reward. That is not true in Christianity. It is not the strength of your faith. It is what? The object of your faith. Name it, claim it, means naming and claiming is what happens. Name him, claim him is all about him. Because he is the only one big enough to make or deliver on this kind of promise. You see, we might be able to deal with doubt Doubts about whether you pray right, think right, believe right, believe enough. But what we really need is a greater vision and view of the grandeur of Jesus Christ and his magnificence and his love and his purpose and his plan to save, to save us at the cross. You know, a name it and claim it fails because it, oh, golly um, here's, here's you or, I, know, I just scribble yes, uh, and this is you and maybe you say I am stuck 
I am stuck, or I don't have the things I want, or I have something, something in my life's not what I want it to be. And I want to be somewhere where I'm not stuck, where I'm free, let's say. And I'm free, and I, and I have what I need. And we want to get there, and the name it and claim it tells you that your faith is what gets you there. And I'm telling you, the only way to get there is through and in and about the cross and the person of Jesus Christ. It is all name him and claim him. It is all about eyes fixed upon his glory, eyes fixed upon his suffering, eyes and hearts that lay hold of his love in his blood. Eyes that are, and it's all about him. How do I know that? Well, the, the, the fig tree didn't feed who? Why? What was its crime? Didn't feed him. He is the object. He is the temple. He is the one the temple prophesied. And he wants us to be a house of prayer. How? In him. Name him and claim him. Something, it's interesting. So Christ, I want you to picture, follow this. Oops. What did I do? All right. Um, I want you to follow this with me. Where was I going with this? Oh, all right, so uh, uh, Christ uh, so Christ comes in as king, and I have this picture, he comes in as king, and he sees what's going on in the house. And he realizes that the religious game of manipulation to get what you want using the religious scene or the religious language or the religious lingo or religious activity as a way of making you a better person, giving you a better life, giving you a spouse, whatever it is you want, that oh, this is this game, the religious game we play, he walks in, and he takes it personally. He's like, what? Don't you start storming to his house? And, but why is he storming? It's his house. And why is he storming? Because this house was meant to describe and articulate his passion and his love to be with his children and to make us whole and to make us new. And what were they doing? Well, that's, I wouldn't want that we got a religious game to play. And the religious game can make us rich. And the religious game can get us places. And we can name it and claim it. And Christ, he, he just gets, many of us would think, inordinately upset. I don't, that fig tree before and after was meant to make you understand. He comes as judge, right? He comes, we saw that last week. If you want to hear more about that, go, the recording, is it online? Uh, it's online from last week. But, but I... His answer only makes sense, only makes sense uh, if he's that upset for that reason. Because what does he say to Peter? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And begin to become people of prayer. And this is what a house of prayer, my home of prayer, he's saying. My home of prayer that I want. My home of prayer that I hope we have a vision for. My home of prayer that I hope we are transformed. My, his home of prayer, Christ's home of prayer, is the place where we are trading now in love. We are trading now in the fact that we are forgiven and we forgive Nate. And we forget, we know because we, we know whenever we come to pray, we have to forgive Nate. Because that's who we are now. We have named him, we have claimed him, we are in him, we are of him, and through him we become a people of love. And now, at that point, at that place, in his life, in his heart, in his victory, what has happened? What is happening? What is, what is happening? 
We name him and claim him, and we become a people who believe and see miracles. You know, um, I wonder, um, I remember, um, maybe we're a little afraid to, 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 to be embarrassed by what we've asked for or hoped for. Maybe we're afraid somebody's hopes might get up. Um, you have, how many of you have prayed for something you haven't gotten? Yeah, right, every single one. Yeah, we are. Right. And so we hear this, this kind of claim, like, and, and I think about our own experience. What do we do with that? With our experience? Like, I haven't gotten everything I've wanted. I've gotten almost everything I've wanted, but not everything. Uh, what do we do with that? Uh, because God loves you, my mom used to say, uh, God must know that we could not handle having money because he never gave us any. And I'm like, what? <laughs> my mom goes, no, God must know that we can't handle money because he never gave us anyway. And I know he loves us. What happens, what happens in the name him and claim him is we become a transformed people. It's a transformed people that forgive people, isn't it? And it's a transformed people that by life and by the word, by prayer, by, by knowing Jesus, what are they transformed into? A people who believe in miracles as naturally as they breathe. Because it's a miracle he saved you. It's a miracle he rescued me and my family. We are a people of miracles. We are a house of miracles because we have named him and claimed him. He is the Son of God, and he's ours. Christ is offering nothing less. He's offended by nothing less than a rejection of his person in that temple. And he is offering us nothing less than all of his person when we pray. There is more than you have dared hope for in prayer. More than you have dared hope for at the feet of our Savior. And I suspect our prayers are not large enough. Maybe when I said that prayer, that promise is so big, maybe you've tried to fill it up with a lot of good works or tried to fill it up with a volume of more prayer and more songs and more, more feeling and more gumption. When all you, well, you know what you needed to do was you didn't need to fill it with more oomph. You needed to fill it with more of him. More of who he is. Um... I'm inviting us, what I want to be together with you is I want to be his home of prayer where we know him and we know his power. And to that end, the vision of our church will be that we will be a people of prayer every Sunday like this um, at the risk of some of you being bored. And uh, so the world might see the power of God. This is the only way I know how to move forward. Um, with, the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the failure of my personal life in the last couple of years, um, I believe this church is a miracle baby. This is a miracle baby. We're a miracle baby of a church. I want more. And I want the freedom now, by faith, to, to engage in some blue sky thinking. We are, that, we are a temple now, a home of prayer. If we're going to be that, I want to, have you ever heard of that blue sky thinking? 
idea is, uh, you ever heard of the word kavu? Or that kavu? Kavu is a pilot saying, and it's abbreviation for sealing and visibility unlimited. And so uh, a pilot, when he's talking about a great day, be like, it's kavu. It's a kavu. It means sealing and visibility unlimited. That's the sort of prayer people I want to become. <laughs> we'll take risks. We'll take risks and say, Father, heal. Father, heal our nation. Father, heal, our, heal, our, heal us. <clears throat> Bring refugees in that we can love. Make us a place of love. Make us a place of your kingdom. And my hope, my hope is for something glorious and beautiful. In his name, let's pray. Now, Father, we've been slow to pray. And we learned, we, we saw that Jesus, your son, organized uh, where the donkey was when he came into town. You organized everything. You're king. And yet you're our father too. And, and uh, it's your delight to hear what we bring to you in the name of your son. We pray that you would make this place a house of prayer. Father, um, forgive us our doubt and unbelief. It really, our doubt and unbelief has really been unbelief about your power and your love for us at Calvary and on the cross. We name him, your son, Jesus, and we claim him. And we ask for every promise to be yes and amen. We pray for big things today. Forgive us for not even praying bigger for what you will do to reveal the glory of Jesus. Hmm. We pray you make us this people, this kingdom people of forgiveness, love, and the gospel, and a people of prayer. And uh, please forgive us for the religious games we played and uh, not glorifying Jesus. We come to this table now, the table of communion, and we say, by faith, we believe we are healed. By faith, we think we are saved. And by grace, we know you. And it's not the size of our faith, it's the size of our Savior. And it's not the, the size of what we feel, but the size of, your, of the cross and the immensity of your love. And so we come to this table by faith, faith alone. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> On the night our Savior was betrayed, he took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. He also took a cup of wine, and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. This is a table of blood and sacrifice. This is the, we as a temple, this is, we as a temple don't have, we don't, we don't kill goats anymore or oxen or lambs. What do we do? We come to this table, this sacrifice right here, and we eat and drink. So I call you, if you're a sinner saved by grace, with your trust in Jesus, you assent to the Nicene Creed we're about to read, 
that this is your table. And I want you to come with freedom and joy to it again. Maybe you have a very tiny faith. Anybody with a really, really almost microscopic faith? Anyone, anybody want to claim that? There's a great privilege in claiming that. All right. You all passed you by. It's me. I have a microscopic faith sometimes. It doesn't matter because I have the Lord of glory. It just doesn't matter. See, if you have a really tiny faith today in Jesus, that's enough. Come to the table. But um, I'll say this. If you think you're a good man or a good woman, if you think you're a good person, then I, I, I'm going I'm to take the time right now to offend you. It's my job. Because good people are an offense to God. There aren't good people. You only get to come to God as a sinner who confesses who they are. If you think you're a good person, then you're playing the religious game. And I'm sorry to tell you, there's only death down that road. We're going to now, um, and so if you're a skeptic, I, finally if you're a skeptic and my supernaturalism and my confidence about it uh, has, you, has you scratching your head, let's talk later. Just watch, watch what we're doing. There are prayers printed on the page after our song. There are prayers printed for those who are doubting, those who are skeptical, those who are in fear, those who have walked away from God. There's prayers printed on the second to last page. All right, we're going to go into into a time of of wonderful, wonderful confusion. You can hear it by the sound of little children heralding the time of confusion. Um, What we're going to do is we're going to to say the... um, the, the Nicene Creed together. You're probably not familiar with it. I'm not. I don't know it by heart yet. And as we're we're going to say this creed together, and I'll, I'm going to serve communion to our musicians. Then, when the creed's over, while we're singing the final song, will you come forward and get the, the bread and the wine and take it back to your seats? There's grape juice in the center back here. Of a, it's a lighter color for those who prefer the grape juice. And then, we'll, then at the end, we'll take everything together. Now, what we're going to do, Luke and Elena are going to pray for children. You guys pray for kids for us? Oh, never mind. All right, never mind. <laughs> Unclean. She cannot clean pray for children. Um, I'm going to need somebody else to pray for children. Who's going to volunteer? Anybody going to volunteer for me? Uh, Betty? Betty will? All right. Thank you, Betty. Amy, will you, you and Betty do this together? Uh, all right, will you, if you guys will come up here and pray for children as they come forward. Come on up, come on up, stand next to the whiteboard here with Amy. Yeah, go ahead and do it right now. Just bring your Nicene Creed with you. Sick, unless you know it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Amy practiced, actually. <laughs> and so if you want to take your children to Betty and, and Amy, will pray over them. And, uh, and let's, let's stand. Christian, tell me, brother and sister. Tell me what you believe. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not created, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who 
for us men and for our salvation, came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary, and was made man, was also crucified for us under Pontius Pilate, which I cannot carry. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. Wait. Come to judge again with glory. Thank you. To judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. Because he's from the Father and the Son. Who is the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.